We're going to begin in verse uh, 13. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. <clears throat> he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, now that verse we could probably preach until eternity. There's just so much here in this verse. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because the, my, my main point is a few verses down the road. But I do have to spend a little bit of time here because it's so important. Amen. I want to lay the foundation for where we're going today. But let's pray first. Father, we just invite you to come and make your word so real, Lord, that it floods our hearts, renews our mind, and transforms our lives. God, we're here today because we want to encounter you and we want to become more like you. God, I'm asking that the impartation of the seed that's here today would bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And that fruit would emanate from our lives bringing glory to your name. God, we just, God, we just want to, Lord, be an expression of your heart, of your will and purposes to those around us. God, we do set our affections on things above this morning. And God, we open up our hearts to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Therefore, gird up, I like the language here, gird up the loins of your mind. Do you know your mind has loins, apparently? Amen. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. He says, be sober. And this has a couple of meanings. When you hear the word sober, uh, you tend to think, don't be drunk, amen, which is part of the meaning of that word, even in the Greek. It's, in other words, not too much wine, not excess in alcohol. But it also means to be discreet and to watch. When he tells us to watch and pray, it's a similar Greek word. He's saying here, and I believe the context is here, he says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, your mind needs to be focused it needs to be discreet. It needs to be watching. Amen. Not, not just the obvious, the, 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 the alcohol and staying sober, but that discreetness, that, that watching, the heart of God, the purpose of God for our life. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. In, in other words, so much starts from the mind. You can't do anything before you think it. And you may do something so quick, you think it's a reaction, but it's something you've already seen, processed in your mind, and caused your hand or your foot or something to move. Okay? So he's saying, listen, it, it, we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our minds. Amen. We need to be discreet. We need to be watchful. And I love this. And rest your hope fully upon the grace. Amen. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Anybody need more grace this morning? Amen. You know, the grace of God is unlimited. Our, our accessibility to it is unlimited. How much we have depends on us. Amen. It's, it, it's how much we give ourselves to this provision. In fact, the title of my message this morning is Encountering His Provision. How we position ourselves to encounter 
his provision. And my, my goal this morning in my message, I'm just going to be honest with you, my, my goal this morning is, is for us to, to so encounter the heart of God, amen, that faith begins to rise up and, and that, that, that we can lay hold of all that he has for us. Amen, that, that somehow our faith would be stirred and we would begin to enter into the fullness of all that he has for us. Paul, at, he prays for the church, uh, I believe it's in, in the Philippian church, when, when he says, Lord, Lord, fill them with all the fullness of God. Now, just try to wrap your mind around that. How many of you know what all the fullness of God is? As soon as you start describing it, you're limited. As soon as, you, as soon as you put human language to that verse, you're limiting it every word you say. Because that's spiritually discerned. It can only come by revelation. Amen? And so he says here, listen, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, verse 14, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. As in your ignorance, in other words, prior to salvation or things that you've been delivered from since you've been saved. He said, don't, don't conform to that. Don't go back to that. Amen. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's keep moving forward. He said, but as he who has called you is holy. Everybody say holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. We've been called to holiness. And to righteousness, amen? The grace of God is undeserved. It's unmerited favor. It's the divine enabling of God. But, it, but it's, not, it's not to just whitewash our conduct or our sin. No, as we grow and as we encounter God and as God imparts truth to us and as we live in the light of that truth, His holiness is manifest, grace will empower us to live holy. There's a rest with that. There's a rest with the grace of God. We need to put all our hope fully in the grace, amen, which will bring a rest and it will enable us to live the life that God desires from us as we walk with him. We can't do it in our own strength, in our own power. That holiness is a God thing. Notice he said, as God is holy, be holy. He didn't say, as you are holy, or as the one next to you is holy. No, he's, he said, well, we're going to raise the bar, we're going to lift the standard, and this is what I'm inviting you to. This is the, the conduct I'm inviting to you, you to, and this will attract others, by the way. They'll notice a difference in your life. He said, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout this time and your stay here in fear knowing that you were not redeemed, listen to this, we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Amen. How many of you would like to have some silver and gold? You know, that's still corruptible. I wouldn't mind having a boatload of it. Amen. But it's still corruptible. It's not eternal. It's not, it's not perfect. Amen. It's not what God, he says, you haven't been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold for your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, in other words, our natural heritage or, or that sin nature, we haven't been redeemed by silver and gold. You can't buy your way into the kingdom. That, that's what I love about it. It doesn't matter what you have for money. It doesn't matter what you have possessions. It don't matter what you own in the natural. Jesus has leveled the playing field, and there's only one way in, 
It's through his sacrifice on the cross. It's through the redemptive purposes of God revealed through Jesus Christ when he died to pay the wages and penalty of our sin. He was buried. He was resurrected so we could be justified and walk in that newness of life. Amen? Whether you're a multi-billionaire, a trillionaire, or don't have two nickels to rub together, amen, you're just as saved when you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do it your way. You have access to everything in God just like anybody else. You have access to eternal life just like everybody else. Amen? My dad used to say, if it cost a, a nickel to go around the world, I wouldn't get out of sight. <laughs> Amen. But he knew the Lord. Amen. He actually had more than a nickel, too. But he, he, he knew the Lord. He was, he was just expressing kind of the need that he was feeling. But God says, listen, we've been redeemed, not with corruptible things, but the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In other words, the fulfillment of, of, of the old covenant sacrificed lamb was fulfilled in the sacrifice by the lamb of God. What that lamb in the old covenant was prophetically pointing to was the lamb of God that John the Baptist pointed out when he walked on the scene. He said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? He says, but we weren't redeemed with corruptible things but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, the, the verse 20 is what I want. Amen. This hit me this week like I've never had it before. He says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world. Say, foreordained before the foundations of the world. That's a tough one, but you did good. We're going to do it again. Foreordained... Say it with me. Foreordained before the foundations of the world. He indeed, okay, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, which was manifested in these last times. Now listen, what's he referring to? The, the sacrifice. He was crucified before the foundations of the world. It says, we've been redeemed with this, the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, who indeed was foreordained. In other words, this sacrifice was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Do, do you know what that means? That, that, I mean, this, this is amazing. You probably do know what it means, but I just learned it this week in a little greater way, and I'm praying for more revelation. Amen. That means before the foundation was created, before man was created, before anything that God created was created, he was sacrificed. He was, he was atoning. That, that means before there was a sin and a sinner, there was salvation. Amen? Do you think God knows what's going on? But before there was a sickness or a disease, there was healing. This is all part of the atonement. Before there was a broken heart, and, 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 and bondage and fear, there was deliverance, there was healing, and there was freedom. Amen. Before there was mental illness, autism, things that we, that, that we see that, that, that people struggle with, there was a solution, there was healing, there was deliverance. 
Before the mind was created, there was a way to renew it. Before there was any lack, there was supernatural provision. Amen? Before the foundations of the world. He said to Jeremiah, before you were conceived, I knew you and ordained you a prophet. This is the foreknowledge of God. This is the sovereignty of God. This is what we're dealing with. I'm trying to magnify the Lord here to you so that you could have a little bit of faith and realize, do you know where I am right now? I didn't see coming, but I think maybe God did. God didn't know what I'm facing right now. God didn't know my pain. God didn't know my heartache. God didn't know how I was suffering. But maybe if he was crucified before the foundations of the world and my redemption was set in motion before, before even the, the, the earth was created, then just maybe he might know where I am and be able to help me. Amen? You're not getting this the way I'm seeing it. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through this again. Amen? Because this is life transforming. Do you know, what, how many of you, when you come to God and, and you cry out to God, you think that's the first time God's heard of it? <laughs> Amen? We, we come to God, you got to... I'll try not to get too far in front of the speakers, Robbie. Then you get all kinds of amens from squealing. Amen? But... What we do, we come to God and, and, and it's so new to us, it's so real, it's pressing in on us and we think we just got to inform God on it. I mean, he knew we were coming. In fact, he knew before you were born you were coming with that. He knew before you were conceived that you would have this problem August 8th, 2021 and he was expecting your prayer. Amen. Now, now, if he... If all this was done before the foundation of the world, do you suppose he has a solution for our problem? I mean, do you, do you think just maybe he might know how to handle it? I'm being facetious here. But, 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 but man, if we can see this, if we can see this, if you know the devil can sneak up on us, life sneaks up on us, we encounter things that we're not expecting, we get blindsided all the time, but God never does. So you never have to, you never have to wonder if he has a solution because before you existed, before the world was created, he had the solution. Amen, it's in the book before the foundations of the world. Before there was death, there was life. Before anyone could die a physical death, there was eternal life. This, it, it's amazing. I want us just, just, just to get, just to see how we position ourselves for this, amen, for this to be activated in our life. In Genesis 22, we're going to go back to the Old, Old Testament here. I love, I love Abraham. I mean, he's been, was kind of the, the model father of faith for us. And this is, this is one of the greatest tests that he ever faced in his life. In Genesis 22, in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Who tested him? 
Just saying. <laughs> now, does that mean God brings evil things into our life? No. You know, I, I love Romans 8 when he says, he says that basically we don't know how to pray as we ought. You know we don't know what we're doing when we're praying. That's what the Bible says. We don't know how to pray as we ought. He didn't tell us not to pray. He just said we don't know how to do it right. And so on one side of it says the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. On the other side it says Jesus is making intercession for us. And wedged right in the middle is all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. You want to know why all things work together for good? Because you got the Holy Spirit interceding for you. you got Jesus interceding for you. And he's letting you come into his presence. Amen. And begin to intercede. Amen. So he's saying, listen, no matter what test, no matter what trial, no matter what difficulty you're going through, I will bring about, if you look to me, I'll bring about my redemptive purposes in it and through it. I won't waste it in your life. Amen. God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Quick response. Now, this had been years of cultivating a relationship. And he said, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. I don't don't know if I could do that. I'll be honest with you. I'd have to have the grace he had at that time. He said, offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. Now, you need to understand, the whole covenant was wrapped up in his son. This wasn't wasn't just losing a son. This is every promise that God had made to him and decreed that, that through him, through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That through his seed, amen, the Messiah would come. That's the only way all the nations of the earth can bless. All the covenant promises that were tied up in Abraham that was given to him, amen, and later to his children, it was all tied up in this act. And he said, I want you to go. I want you to offer him on an altar. I want you to raise the knife and I want you to sacrifice him back to me. So it wasn't just his only son, as hard as that is, but it was everything that son represented. Every promise that he ever knew that took him 25 years to even see his son born after the promise. And now his son's a teenager. And he's saying, I want you to take him, take him up. I want you to walk up this mountain. I want you to prepare an altar. I want you to tie him to that altar. And I want you to sacrifice him. I'd say that's a test. Wouldn't you? Now, Abraham didn't know beforehand. He wasn't reading back over Genesis seeing what God was going to do in his life. But you know, God knew before Abraham was born that this test day would come. And God knew Abraham's response to this test. He just had to let Abraham know his response to this test. So Abraham rose, verse 3, early in the morning and he saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, rose and went to the place which God had told him. Get up in the morning, know he's supposed to sacrifice his son. Can you imagine splitting the wood for that sacrifice? What he's thinking about. 
He loads it up, and they proceed to the mountain. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. So he had to get up in the morning. He had to think about this while we split the wood, while we got all the supplies together, and then a three-day journey to think about it. And Abraham said to his young men, listen here, you're going to get a hint of what was going on in Abraham's heart. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. <laughs> Abraham had something in God. By the time he reached this point in his life, he said, we're coming back. As far as he's concerned, he's going to sacrifice it. But we're coming back. So Abraham took the wood, he took the burnt offering, he laid it on Isaac, his son, made his son carry his own wood that's supposed to cook him. His son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and two of them went together. And then Isaac knows how these sacrifices work. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I, I, I see fire, I see wood, I see, we got all the components, but we don't have the lamb. You know, God spoke to me many years ago that, that that can be like a lot of services if we're not careful. He said, I see the fire, I see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the wood, trees of righteousness, amen, the planting of the Lord. I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? Amen, the lamb needs to be the center. The lamb needs to be the focus, amen? It's Jesus, the lamb of God, that needs to be preeminent. You can have all that other stuff, and I love it, amen? We can have the fire, we can have the trees, we can have the wind, we can have all the manifestations of God, but we can't let that move God out of preeminence and not let the lamb be the focus of everything that we're doing, amen? Amen, if we, if we really want to encounter all that God has for us. So Isaac says, Dad, the fire, the wood, but where's the lamb? And, my, and Abraham says in verse 8, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. He decreed and prophesied right there that there would be supernatural provision. He decreed that God was Jehovah Jireh before he experienced the provision. Let me say that again. See, he encountered the provision. Let me say it another way. He encountered the provision because he saw the provision when it wasn't there yet. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the proof, the undergirding of things we don't see yet. Amen? Amen. We, we, we live in an unseen kingdom that is manifesting all the time if we got the right eyes and the right ears. So they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I think Isaac's probably wondering now. And Abraham stretched his hand and took his knife to slay his son. on the altar. 
He said, we're coming back. God will provide a lamb. See, that wasn't just knowing the acts of God. That was knowing God's ways. He was still following through in obedience. We're going to see in Hebrews 11 how he could do that. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Angel interruption. Amen. I just want to encourage you. If an angel happens to interrupt your day, say you're here. <laughs> if, if, if an angel calls you, here I am. Amen. Don't, don't, don't put that one on hold. Don't let that go to voicemail. Amen. He says, he says, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything for him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. See, the real issue here is who was really Lord of his life. He knew how much Isaac meant. He knew he was a promised child. He knew he was a miracle child. He knew that his covenant and every promise rested on his son. And, 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 and God knew that. And he knew Abraham knew that. But how far was he willing to go? And then Abraham lifted up his eyes. And he looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up a burnt offering instead of his son, prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the father had to do with Jesus what Abraham didn't have to do with his son. For you and I. And Abraham called the name of this place, listen to this, he called the name of this place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, one of the names of Jesus, which means our provider. He says, the Lord will provide as it is this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In the presence of God, being elevated in the presence of God, an intimate relationship with God, supernatural provision is released. Abraham, he encountered the reality that he was believing that God had deposited and spoke into his life. What manifest, because he decreed it, because he knew God's heart, because he knew his ways, because he knew his character, because he had a relationship with him, he said, we're coming back. He says to Isaac, God will provide the lamb. God provided the lamb, and then he encountered that reality. In other words, something was activated and deposited in his life that would never have to be, again, it, it, it would be permanently, amen, installed there. You, you actually see the first time it's mentioned, this is, Abraham made it clear for all of us. He decreed it. He goes, this is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. See, it's, it, it's faith that connects us to the realities of the kingdom. It's faith through an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that reveals his heart. And all those things that were purchased for us and made available before the foundations of the world, it's by faith we begin to encounter them. Now in Hebrews 11, 17 and 19, I want, I want you to see the kind of faith that he was operating in. Why he was willing to do that. It said, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. 
And he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Notice he who received the promise. See, he was based on the word. His faith was not just presumption. God said, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so he said, whom it was said, in Isaac, your, your seed shall be called. Concluding, this was Abraham's concluding of that test when, when he was asked to sacrifice Isaac. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead in which he had also received him in the figurative sense. Amen. In other words, he was dead. Abraham was dead when he was born. As far as being able to reproduce. Sarah, her womb was dead before, a- before Isaac was born. As they received him in a figurative sense, he said, listen. He said, Abraham had such confidence, such faith, such an intimate relationship with God that when God said to sacrifice him, he was willing to go all the way because he knew that the promises of God rested on his son and God would have to resurrect him. Now, how many resurrections had there been? Abraham was seeing some things. Amen? Abraham was seeing some things. And that's how he moved in that kind of faith. You know, there was another man, and I I may close with this. There was another man in Psalm 105. We get a synopsis of his life. It's Joseph. It's a tremendous story if you ever get to study it all out. And it says, Moreover, he called, God called for a famine in the land, and he destroyed all the provision of bread. It was, this was a judgment that was coming on the people. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. This is Psalm 105, 16 through 22, if I didn't tell you. Amen? It says, They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. He was imprisoned. Until the time that the word came to pass. The word of the Lord, what? Tested him. God's word will test us. It will try us. It will expose what's on board and what isn't. Amen. It will expose what we have and it will expose what we need more of. Amen. The word of God tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house, a ruler of all his possessions, to bind princes at his pleasure and to teach the elders wisdom. Now this is a turnaround, folks. It said he was sold into slavery, he was imprisoned, and from the prison he became ruler over all the land. That word tested him. What word? You remember when, Jacob was a, uh, when, when Joseph was a teenager, he had a couple dreams. And in those dreams, he saw all, he, there was sheaves that grew up. And then all those sheaves bowed down to his sheep. I don't know if he knew what that meant, but he got excited. And then there was the sun and the moon and the stars, mom and dad, and then the, the siblings and the stars. And they all bowed to one star, to him. So he gets excited and he tells his parents, he tells his Brothers, hey, I had this dream. This is cool. I think I'm going to be significant here. Amen. And they got all excited and hated him. <laughs> Their response was like any other normal response. The parents were a little more, they were a little more dignified. They, they weren't going to sell him into, weren't going to kill him. The brothers wanted to kill him, all except for Reuben. 
Reuben, God used to save his life, amen? He, 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 was, he was taken out bringing bread, food to his brothers. And uh, they said, look, here comes the dreamer. Now, was that word from God? Was those dreams from God? Absolutely. But he's a teenager. And man, this thing's going to test him. And so his brother said, here comes the dreamer. Yeah, we'll see if he'll rule over us. We're going to kill him. And we'll take his coat of many colors. We'll rub some blood on it. We'll take it back to dad and said he never made it to us. We found this out in the wilderness. Amen. They had, they had a, a foolproof story in their mind. And Reuben said, no, you, you, we can't kill him. And there was, a, there was a, a dug well there that was empty. He said, just, just throw him in the pit. We'll leave him here. We'll leave him here. And Reuben had a plan. He was going to come back and get him out. But while he was in the pit, Reuben had taken off. And while he was in the pit, the, the, this group of, I of, uh, can't remember who it was. I think it's one of our trivia questions, actually, <laughs> that's on the screen out there. But the group came, I don't know if it's Ishmaelites or who it was, but they, they came and they said, well, let's, let's not kill him, let's sell him to them. So they sold Joseph, got money, did the thing with the coat, took it back to dad, they conspired together, we've got rid of our problem, we got rid of our dreams. And one of the things that they said that revolutionized my life when I was going through a t- probably the worst time in my life, they, they, they did this, they sold him, and then they said, in their minds, he was dead. And they said, now let's see what becomes of his dreams. In other words, they can't happen. God may have gave him dreams, God may have given him visions, God may have did, but they can't happen now. We just, we just destroyed him. Now let's see what becomes of his dreams. We fast forward, he goes to Potiphar. He's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife has the hots for him. And he resists. He resists. Sorry if my language is offensive. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> Just kind of bring it up to the 21st century here. And she's, she's pursuing Joseph. And, and, and he's, he's literally fleeing because he don't want to sin against God. He, he's now the ruler in, in, in the realm that Potiphar was, was controlling. Potiphar loved him. He had favor, and he was ruling over all his house. He even told his wife, listen, he's, he's held nothing back from me except for you, and I'm not going to take you. And he kept resisting. One time he went in, and they were alone, and she grabbed his, his clothes and said, listen, come lie with me, come sleep with me. And he ran, and she had his coat. And so she fabricates this story. She starts hollering, this, this, this Egyptian that you have in here, I mean, this Israelite, he's, he, he, he tried to rape me. He tried to have his way with me. And so Potiphar was stunned. He couldn't believe that out of Joseph, but he arrested him and he put him in prison. And I knew Potiphar must have loved him because he normally it would have been instant death. You see God's hand in this all the way. I don't know all that was in Joseph that had to come out at the testing of this word, but it was coming out. (laughs) And so he's thrown in prison for something he didn't do, for living a life full of integrity, of holiness, like we started the message with. Amen? He did nothing but the right thing, and he finds himself in prison. And what happens in prison? He gets promoted to the top. He's got the favor of God on him wherever he goes, so now he's running the prison. And he's in there, and then some others have some dreams, and, and they don't know what it means, and, and he, gets, he gets to have an audience with the king. 
and he interprets these dreams. It happens just like he says, and then the king of Egypt, the known power of the whole world, then brings him out and puts him in charge. He said, there's going to be a famine, seven years of famine. You better get ready for it, because it's going to be bad. There's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. It's going to eat up the plenty. King had this dream, had this vision, and, and Joseph was the only one that could explain it, and he said, who has wisdom like this? The, guy, the king was sharp enough to know the wisdom of God operating in Joseph. Who has wisdom like this man? We're going to put him in charge of everything, so we'll spare the people. And so he went from prison to only one ruler above him. And Psalm 105 says, the word of God tested him. Now he was probably in his 30s then. But notice what this did in his heart. When, when his brothers finally came, they were, they were starving to death. They, they, they didn't know what they were going to do. There was a famine. Dad sent them into Egypt, knew there was plenty there. And they come... And Joseph meets his brothers. What would we have done to our brothers that thought they killed us and, 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 and got rid of us once and for all? Jo Joseph had to run out. He was so emotional, he had to run out and he wept. He was so glad to see him. And finally, when he reveals himself to his brothers, he said, I, I know you meant this for me for evil. I know you meant to kill me. I know you meant to get rid of me so you didn't, didn't have me in your life anymore. But God meant it for good. God sent me here to bring provision of life for all of you. Now how he viewed that, that was the process. That was the test. What brought him from slavery to a place of ruling and reigning, things had to take place in his heart. Amen? He yielded to that process. And do you know God knew that Joseph was going to go through that before he was born? Do you know God knew that there was going to be a famine before there was a famine? Do you know God had a provision for Joseph in motion before Joseph experienced the provision? I've got to read one more scripture. We'll close with this. Ephesians chapter 1. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Can you say that with me? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Verse 4. Just as he chose us, listen to this, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Just like there was salvation before there was a sin or sinner, just like there was healing before there was sickness and disease, you were chosen in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Your destiny, your design, your purpose in your life was chosen before the foundations of the world. God's not done yet. Yes, the word of God will get tested in us. We're going to go through some things. We're going to have to fight our way through to the other side. Amen? But don't ever lose heart because God is working something in you. God is working something out of you. Amen? 
plan and his redemptive purposes will be accomplished in your life. Chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Verse 5, having predestined, there's another word. Having predestined who? Us. To the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Do you know before you were born you were predestined to be a son of God? You know, it's amazing how many things we think just are happening when they happen. I think, that's why I think in Psalms it says he sits in the heavens and laughs. Yeah, I think God's got a good sense of humor at us floundering our way through to his purposes. Amen? He predestined us and adopted us as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his what? Grace. Remember it says rest in his grace. By which he made us accepted in the beloved. Don't anyone leave this room thinking you're not accepted, you're not valued, and you're not worthy. You're accepted in the heart of God. says, and in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And he, which he made to abound, I love the language, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in his heart. You know, God's got good pleasure purposed in his heart for you. Good pleasure, which he's purposed in his heart. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, what an awesome God we serve. If Pastor Pete would come and worship ministry at this time. Amen. I like to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to seal these things in our hearts. You know, we don't want to, it says in Hebrews, that we don't want to let these things slip. Literally, that means that we don't want to become a leaky vessel where the truth that God speaks and deposits in our lives is able to leak out. Amen. We want it to do all that God wants it to do. Do you know he knew that you would be here this morning, before the foundations of the world. He knew the message that you would hear before I knew the message I would preach. Amen? And he's given us an opportunity, an invitation... To encounter his purposes in our life. To encounter his provision for us. For his redemptive purposes to be made known. In other words, to realize our design, our purpose, our destiny. We're another day closer. Doesn't matter where we're coming from. 
God knows that. He'll deal with all that. What matters is where we're going to. Amen? Praise God. I hope your faith has been stirred this morning at just the awesome goodness, love, and sovereignty of God for our lives. I know mine was this week. Man, I needed it this week. Amen. We need it all the time, but sometimes we get in a place where we know we need it. So if that's you this morning, if you want to accept the invitation to encounter his provision for you, to recognize the tests of God are not in vain, his word spoken over us, his written word is not in vain. It's absolutely essential to our lives. Amen. And you want further meaning. And you want God's design and plan for you. Amen. To be experienced in your life. Let's just lift our hands. We're going to make the whole church an altar this morning. I know we got a lot going on today. Just lift our hands and our hearts towards heaven. If you need a healing touch this morning, we're going to pray for you right now. I will say this. If you don't know the Lord, you've never given your heart to the Lord, and you want to know him this morning, we would be doing you a terrible disservice not to give you an opportunity to receive him. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't know the Lord, amen, it is a great day to to come to meet him. Amen. Today's the day of salvation. Just slip out of your seats and come on down, and we'll have people pray for you and uh, help you on into the kingdom. Then if you come to our picnic, you can get baptized after. Amen? I want, I want just those that, that maybe don't know the Lord, that want to give your heart to the Lord, I want, I want you to come forward this morning. The rest, we're just going to pray as the Lord leads right now, just right from your seats. Amen? If you get a testimony next, next week, amen, we want to hear it, or after service, we want to hear it. Let's pray right now. Father, we just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for the power of your presence here. We thank you for the power of your word. And God, we know that faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by responding, by hearing the word of God and and acting upon that word. So, Father, those hands and hearts that are raised before you this morning, God, I just pray that each one would encounter you in the power of your resurrection. God, whatever test, whatever trial they're believing you for, whatever they're going through, Lord God, 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 I just ask that there would be a revelation this morning that you knew it. God, before the foundations of the world, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. God, you'll see us on through to your redemptive purposes. God, that you will God, that you'll bring about your design, your purpose, your destiny in our lives through it all. And God, I pray that like Abraham, God, when we're asked to do things that might be hard, God, that we would do them afraid. God, when we're asked to do things, God, that we don't believe we can do. God, when you speak to us through your word, when you speak into our hearts, when prophetically, God, God, you bid us to come higher. And and God, we don't know how to do that. God, that we would respond anyway. And God, I pray for anyone here that's got any sickness, any pain, 
God, anyone here that's, God, that's confused. Anyone here that's feeling hopeless this morning, God, we lift them up to you. God, anyone here with a broken heart, God, there's some people here this morning that are looking for specific direction. God, speak into their life. Quicken your word to them. Confirm your word multiple times. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let that word be established in their life. There's some here going through some life changes. God, we just ask that you would walk them through it and bring them into the fullness of all that you have for them. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And we give you glory. God, we come against any anxiety, any fear, any torment this morning. We command it to cease right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that your peace would flood through this place like a mighty river. A peace that reaches past any of our understanding. And God, that we would encounter your love today like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen.